Welcome to Sex Time. I was doing it slow so you could participate with me. I was just wondering why you were talking so slowly. Because <sighs> I was trying to be inclusive. Welcome to Sex Time. We are sponsored by Polar Seltzer Water. Someday we hope. The president of which doesn't touch people. We hope. I'm currently drinking polar seltzer right now. And that is not just like political. It was cheaper. So um, also I have found much more enticing flavors with polar. Yeah. Like the orange vanilla creamsicle flavor. Which is what I have right now. I also have that. And I found a whole bunch when I was in New York that were great flavor combinations. So... Um, until we find out that there are uh, predators working for that company. Yes, until then, we'll continue to drink the same flavor of the same brand of seltzer water while our periods are synced. And you know what? It's not like we can't, like, we, we can't not buy seltzer because if we get soda streams, then we're supporting Israel. So, yeah, we, we can't win here. And we can't not buy a seltzer because I would be so dehydrated. Yeah, what would we drink? Water? Gross. No. There's not even any bubbles or flavors in water. No. And Or I'll have to just start drinking soda again. And I know how you feel about that. Yeah, it's yucky. You feel like, Kelly, it's your body. Go ahead and kill it however you want to. I do like root beer. You do? Yeah. Oh, let's get root beer floats sometime. Okay. I am actually surprised that you like root beer. Yeah, I really like root beer. It's my party drink. You must, do you have a specific root beer that you like? No. Oh, really? I thought you'd be partial to like one of the more like comes in a glass bottle, has a more like small batch appeal, but are you like, you'll drink any like old commercially produced stuff? And I guess so. Hmm. I I mean, I never go out and buy it for myself. It just shows up at like whenever Julie's got something going on and it's like, oh, root beer, it's a party drink. I just never pictured you consuming anything knowingly that has corn syrup in it root beer (laughs) um happy fourth of july i guess yeah i uh, have my convertible pants on for the civil war that we're supposed to wage later today yeah for those of you who are not aware and like lucky you Alex Jones says that we, the left or whatever, are starting a civil war today or whatever, which is uh, news to us. Yeah, so it's, you know, grab your civil war buddy and stay hydrated. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we're actually fighting people or just trying to destabilize the central government. Well, I mean, is it safe to say we would be fine with someone destabilizing the central government? Yeah, I think that would be the first place to start. I don't want to accidentally commit treason, light treason, um, by like saying that I myself would destabilize the government. But like things that I can't control and have no power to do myself, I'm not going to hate it if someone else did. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's treason, right? No, I don't think it's even treason to say destabilize because that can mean so many things. Yeah. It's it's so broad. It's not a specific enough thing to be actionable. Mm -hmm. Okay. Just being sure that I'm not going to wind up in The Hague or, 
No. Oh, you're in America. You're not going to wind up in the Hague. No, I'll end up in a black site. That's more likely. Yeah. (sighs) I am a citizen, but I am a woman. So I don't know what they're doing with those folks right now. Handmade dresses. Oh, I look good in red, though. Um, yeah. How, how are you otherwise? How am I? Yeah. Oh, I the, think the you people, know. The people want to know. Oh, the let's, people. Let's not talk about that aspect of our lives because we talk about it a lot. Let's talk about all things that are not related to that thing. Uh, it's hard because that thing is, is very much gnawing. Yeah. In my brains. Um, but I guess otherwise I started learning woodworking and mm-hmm. that's going really good. <clears throat> and, uh, we've secured a date for Bonnie's surgery on the 11th. She's having a pretty, pretty major surgery. So I will actually be out at the veterinarians, um, like 15 miles or 18 miles or whatever away from here next Wednesday. Uh, and we are bringing in a donor pig in case she's got blood loss. The guinea pigs can have like a one-time transfusion. So, oh, wow. yeah, we're bringing in the, the heaviest pig that can lose the most blood. Wow. <clears throat> um, it's one of my childhood friends I grew up with worked in a, um, I believe it was a veterinary clinic, and she ended up adopting a cat who was a donor cat for a while. These these animals serve a noble purpose, whether or not they know it. Yeah, the so guinea pigs, their blood hasn't really been typed uh, like cats and dogs, because I asked if, like, if we could run a bunch of tests and find some pigs who are her blood type, we could just start putting a little blood bank together for her now. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody's done that apparently at least not in a a veterinary kind of way so she can't just have a little blood bank that we can make for her but she can have a one time transfusion hmm interesting I would have thought they you know typing blood is probably not that um, difficult a thing to do they've been typing blood in humans for like ever I don't know I don't know what goes into it Hmm. (sighs) yeah but Bonnie's gonna get what she needs yeah we hope so Um, this is one of two surgeries that we could have opted for and the vet recommended this one because if her infection is coming from the other site it would be easier to then address it than if we addressed it from the first site Mm-hmm. Is um, is she going to be keeping her eye ideally, or is yeah, her... that's that's the idea. Is um, they're taking out uh, her, I think, backmost molar, which is part of what makes it a high risk surgery. There's a blood vessel back there that can be pretty easily compromised, and they mm-hmm. can bleed a lot. Uh, so she'll also be on a blood pressure medication to tone her blood pressure down, so she doesn't bleed so much. Mm-hmm. And uh, their teeth are tiny, their mouths are tiny, so there's a chance that the tooth could fracture and a, a fragment could be left. Uh, it, we're we're looking into having some customized antibiotic-laden beads made 
to put in the socket to help clear the infection from inside. Mm-hmm. So we're we're doing everything we can for our Bonnabelle. She was her firstborn daughter, guinea pig. Mm. Well, I hope everything goes well, and I'm sure all five of our listeners do as well. Yes. Thanks, five listeners. Mm-hmm. So, well, uh, I still need to secure the time off of work, but I also have sick time. I don't know. Uh, Jordan and I are taking, like, alternate days off to stay home and just monitor her for about a week. Mm-hmm. Well, she has very caring humans. Well, she's just the very best little baby guinea pig. Um, so how are you? I, um... I am on the first day of five days away from work, so I'm doing my very best to not think about work. And I'm, uh, I have, I found time this morning to do my eyebrows, which I haven't done in a while. Um, which is like the state that they were in has it very obvious that I've not had very much time for myself personally. What little time I have had has been manicure focused. Um, my cats are recovering after a night of stress from fireworks. They are going to be having a worse evening tonight because I will not be here. And tonight's the actual fourth. So people will probably be doing whatever they did last night times three or four in, in the intensity department and probably going later than they did last night too. So um, Nala will probably be in the shower hiding the whole time. Kingsley will be under the bed. Um, and they will feel very abandoned. So I feel terrible about that, but I got to live, you know, I got to see friends and, you know, have fun once in a while. What friends are you seeing? We're not doing anything. The Fishers. I told you. Oh, that's right. You know, I do have a few people that are not you that I talk to socially. Well, tell Jeff I miss him. He knows. He knows. Um, <laughs> other than that, um, we might, you and I might actually do something though on Sunday with Pokemon because there's an event where eggs will hatch more quickly and um, we don't know what we're going to do yet, but maybe we'll go find a nice place to take a walk that has a billion and a half Pokestops. Yeah, we could go to the zoo, circle around the zoo. Yeah, we had meant to go to the zoo, but then I got sick. So maybe we should make up for that this weekend. Yeah, and I had adoption to that day, so I would have had to have canceled anyway. So the zoo sounds lovely. Yes, we'll go look at the mole rats and spin the poke stops. You know what doesn't sound lovely? I uh, a lot of things. How about this episode of Sex in the City that we watched? Yeah. Transition. Yeah. <laughs> oh man There's I was thinking like what if what if our lives were we just had a theme every week that we had to deal with right? and, and that the, was it the theme that we dealt with was so pervasive that it altered our personalities for that week mm-hmm. to the point of like people would start to question our mental stability I feel but like what would our theme be this week 
Um, workplace strife? That's been our theme for like five months now. Yeah. But I don't know. What if like this week the theme was <laughs> we've, hate? We've been working together for almost five months. Yeah, I wonder uh, if that's good. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, what if like our theme this week was patriotism and I was dealing with like, I went on a first date, which is not happening, with a guy who's like, I'm in the military and I didn't know until we were on the date that he's in the military. I'm like questioning myself and like how I feel about the country and then like, why didn't he tell me he was in the military? And then like you are like plotting a coup. And then you meet somebody in the resistance. Like, that would be our lives if this was Sex in the City. Would be, like, this implausible meeting of all of these coincidences that just got, like, shoehorned into some relatability between us. Yeah. And then we'd have two other people who would also have something on that theme. Oh, let's round out our, our four. I think um, Taylor's the other obvious member mm-hmm. um, because he is our most vocal participant in the Twitterverse with our um, brand, which is this podcast, which I'm calling a brand now because I've watched way too much YouTube. Um, so who's our fourth? Um, Emily. Okay. Yes. Emily. We need to get Emily involved in this at some point. Yeah, I'm kind of waiting for like a fashion heavy episode or where they go to a fashion show or where that designer is like just out to get Cynthia Nixon. Oh, um, so I'll probably need to do the the legwork to figure out when that's going to happen ahead of time because I will know from some of the summaries what, what the details are and whether or not it would be um, useful to invite Emily for those times. So I'll look into that. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write it in my bullet journal. Cool. Because I wrote a show sheet again today, like an actual productive, like, I care about this type of person. I didn't. Well, no, because you're not the one who, like, does the logistics of this. Yeah, thank God. So we are looking at Sex and the City Season 2, Episode 3, called The Freak Show. And I just burped. Oh, my God. You know what? The seltzer made me do it. Maybe Polar's not that great. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the freak show. Hmm. And I know, I just watched it this morning. I should have something to say about summarizing it. Well, but it's just it's a lot of uh, navel gazing on like oh goodness the the genders. Well, I don't know if it's necessarily the genders, but like everybody is dealing with like someone's a freak or I feel like a freak or I turned into a freak and it was a very um, freewheeling use of the term freak, Mm -hmm. which let's talk about how problematic that is. (laughs) Now, Adventure Time had previously used the term freak, right? Yeah, in Freak City. Um, But those are non-human freaks and it was done kind of hyperbolically and did not um i think raise the same sort of questionable use that it did in this episode um carrie refers basically to sideshows which are you know from the early 20th century in which people who had physical differences were oftentimes 
just sold by their parents horribly treated and so those in and of themselves were very problematic the public gawking at them is problematic she talks about the world's fattest twins were able to find love why can't i as if you know there is some sort of value judgment on um weight which surprise these women are um thin and don't seem to associate with people who are not thin cool um but i think what's also pretty important is that they are likening the 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 personality defects of these folks to um physical defects of people from like the the sideshows or whatever um and these personality traits are very much a choice in how people are expressing them and people who were in sideshows were often um they had features that they were born with, which is also a very different thing as well. Yeah. So people people choose to be assholes. People choose to be thieves and shoplift. And people choose to snoop around people's apartments to try to dig up dirt, etc. So um, they, they remove some of the agency from the people by just claiming it's uh, they're freaks and this is their nature and they can't change it. Yeah, and I also know that we're talking about it. Remember, the, the opening for this is like, ah, Ellis Island. Everyone in this country came through Ellis Island. And it reminded me of the scene in Broad City when they're also looking at Ellis Island and basically express that exact sentiment. And then I think Abby says, isn't it amazing? All of our ancestors came through there. And Lincoln said, mine didn't. And if you haven't everybody seen... Everybody was like... <laughs> yeah. Very if bummed and seen, awkward. If you haven't seen um, Broad City, Lincoln is black. So there's a different way in which a lot of Americans who are black came to this country. Mm-hmm. So awkward. Awkward. Um, Carrie also likens dating to like the modern... Ellis Island because women are just looking for what a warm meal (laughs) and potentially matrimony which that really oversimplifies dating um I never went on a date because I needed to be fed um and I'd say I wasn't even necessarily looking for marriage when I did date either that was not my like end goal so and I, I don't get Carrie yeah, I don't, I don't get any of them. Like last episode, Cynthia Nixon was like, why do we only ever talk about men? That's wrong. And in this episode, it's like, let's talk about the men. Well, let's talk about the men. I thought uh, for sure this was going to be where we meet the infamous Steve. Oh, man. I but, don't remember when we do, but it is this season. But there was no Steve. No, there was a man yet. with glasses. Uh-huh. His name was Ben. Uh-huh. Jordan stopped by when I was watching this and said that he looks like the bumbling waiter in a Pixar film. Oh, he does. He does have a very, like, I was going to say, like, claymation type face. He mm-hmm. looks like he was um, created by, like, an animator. Yeah. He's like, got, he's, oh. he's the waiter that drops the last plate of special spaghetti. <laughs> spaghetti (laughs) um yeah he has this sort of like his features are just more than should fit on a face 
you know yeah and he's got like like fairly rounded rounded facial features and obviously not necessary glasses that really really confirm the look of the bumbling pixar waiter who drops the last of the special spaghetti Uh, so let's really, really, really quickly try to get through a summary of this. Uh, Carrie uh, agrees to be set up on some dates, and every guy she goes on a date with has um, a personality flaw, and she, like, introduces him as, like, this character in a, in a sideshow. So, like, the guy who's nice to her but rude to other people in line, that's the man with two faces. The guy who's uh, in documentaries because he's waiting to make it big with um, a more profitable type of filmmaking. And he doesn't care about the subjects of his documentaries. He's the man with no soul, kleptomaniac, etc. And then Carrie finally gets a date with Ben. Um, She starts to spiral because she can't figure out what's why he's a freak. He leaves her alone in his place and she starts to snoop everywhere. And she's like breaking into locked boxes and he catches her and turns out that Carrie was the freak all along. That's Carrie's storyline. Charlotte is seeing a guy whose only uh, personality, I guess, not just like his only like sexual proclivity, but the only thing that is his personality is that he likes to go down on women and he's very good at it. And uh, I want to get your read on this because she tries to have a real date with him and they go to dinner and they get a really strange plate of fruit involving like papayas and stuff and she asks him what he's thinking and he just starts to like mimic oral sex on like a lychee what did you think of that it was uh pretty gross (laughs) that he would just like just do that in a restaurant yeah um yeah he was what the hell was up with him i mean i guess he that character knows what he wants that is like and it is one thing and that means and he has nothing to say that's the only thing he wants out of life not just out of like a relationship that seems to be his driving his uh raison d'etre his like purpose yeah so after a while charlotte decides that while it was fun while it lasted okay i guess that's not going to work out um miranda is not too heavily featured in this episode she goes on a double date with um, Carrie and Carrie's new dude and new dude's friend. And Miranda decides that he's a freak just because he's never, he hasn't left Manhattan in 10 years, despite the fact that these women are like so full of their own shit that in previous episodes where they've left Manhattan, they act like it's a big deal and they're going to like fucking Mars or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they can really claim like, any uh, comprehensive worldliness because they leave Manhattan like a couple of times and make big, big fit about it. So I don't know why that would make anybody a freak to not leave Manhattan. It, it is a very big place with lots of shit to do. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I could see people not leaving it for a long time. Um, if, you know, when I uh, was working in Vancouver while living in Vancouver, Unless I had a compelling reason, I did not leave Vancouver. I didn't see a need to. Right, because all your stuff is there. But, I mean, I guess it's weird that that guy wouldn't go anywhere else on a vacation. 
maybe i mean it's not like he's never left manhattan in his life it's plausible that he had gone places before decided that he'd seen enough and he got everything he needed out of life on manhattan which there's a lot there and um this is we find out that miranda and carrie have a code phrase for like an awkward social situation or miranda wants to get out of the awkward social situation Mm-hmm. Which she is says, it's pretty clever. Yeah. I need to go feed my cat. She checks her watch and she needs to go feed her cat. And then Carrie uh, decides to reject the, the code phrase and try to persuade Miranda to stay with, didn't you already feed your cat? Which defeats the purpose of a code phrase. Yeah. If you have that, you've agreed to the terms. Um. But Miranda's like, gotta feed him again. And she leaves. And then Manhattan guy is like, ugh, cat people. Such freaks. And that's like, really fucking rude. Okay? <laughs> Look, cats do eat a few times a day. And just because you have a cat that you feed it does not make you, like, a problematic person. Right. Which I My- think was the point. Is That guy's statement was uh, very hyperbolic. As was Miranda's. They are both um, very judgmental. <clears throat> Maybe they were meant to be together. Um, and then finally, Samantha um, has a romantic encounter with a man who um, is kind of like using sexual harassment as like a um, foreplay type of like, well not like the sexual harassment itself, but like sexual harassment law. Like oh, you fit the demographic. Most of it happens from older women. And then she's like, what the fuck? And then it turns out that he's into um, S&M and has, like, bondage gear, and apparently that makes him a freak. That seems like, that was very non-sequitur. Yes, it was. And furthermore, I having the knowledge we do of how um, much Samantha dates and um, her wide range of experiences it seems very out of character for her to consider snm to be a freakish thing she's probably just from the amount of dating she's done she's probably come across it before um yeah and and to be like into all of these other like kinks and stuff that she is into and and that's like crossing a line seems wild to me um, furthermore, um, I read a very, very interesting blog where a woman was reading Fifty Shades of Grey and then critiquing it. And it was, a, a, um, she's like a sex positive person and she, um, just goes in to describe how all of the ways that S&M are described in Fifty Shades of Grey are not how it actually is in like the real real practice by people who are like consensual and like you know have like really good boundaries and stuff like that so um it is not a freakish thing to be into that uh it usually involves just like really clear lines of communication and that's just what people like and people like what they like as long as they're not you know hurting people um at least not hurting people outside the realms of consensual (laughs) hurting Mm -hmm. so uh samantha needed to not be that judgmental but again everybody well it was it was brought up a little like they hadn't this was a first date and they hadn't discussed it before and this guy 
who, you know, you should have some, some empathy and some ability to read people if you're going to engage in bondage type activities. I just said something that pretty clearly put her off. So mm-hmm. she went to the restroom to like process this. And in the interim, he managed to truss himself up in like a tiny, tiny little BDSM closet. Yeah, which is, so- which is that's the red flag for me is that he they, he didn't discuss it before and he was not able to read her cues. Do you think that's why she called him a freak or do you think she thought the BDSM as a as a whole was freakish? I think the the whole thing was probably freakish to her. So I don't think she was put off by the BDSM. I don't know. She seemed to paint I don't know. I don't know. I would be not calling someone a freak, but like super alarmed if I were in a situation where first date no one's no one's discussed like their heavy kinks yet. And somebody says something off putting and, and you come out and they're ready to go in a different direction. Yeah. Yeah. But they don't so it's not the it's a communication issue that I found very off putting about this fellow. Yes, I do agree with that. I don't think that Samantha's criticism of him was that nuanced because her complaint to hit about him to her friends was about the like, and then he's in a harness and didn't. As far as we know, she didn't even talk about the age comment. Oh no, no, she did. No, she Sorry. did. She, I'm. Man, I just watched and the it. H the comment hell? was the was the part that she focused on for the rest of the episode, which makes me think that she wasn't that perturbed. She's not perturbed by bondage itself, but like if you if you're going to play those games, you have to know what game you're playing, and you have to know who you're playing it with. And he really violated those ground rules. I can't believe. I'm having this much trouble trying to figure out the motivations of a character like this. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is, this is the bargain we made. This is what we do now. This is who we are. So Samantha decides that um, after she runs into a friend who looks fantastic because she got some of her ass fat injected into her face, that Samantha is going to do it as well. She um, goes to a plastic surgeon and she's like, well, what else could you do? And then he marks up her entire body. She goes to look in a mirror and it looks like she's, I don't know, like a clown. And she um, gets so distressed at the image that she starts crying. And then that's the end of that Mm -hmm. storyline. So we don't even know if she's going to go through with getting the injections in her face. I don't. Uh, I thought she already did. No, he was marking up her face. I think to show where they were going to do the injections. Because mm. have you watched much like plastic surgery television? You know. Yeah. They mark up the whole area that they're going to be doing on the day of like with a Sharpie so that they have the lines there. While even after they like do the uh, iodine and whatever to um, sanitize and sterilize everything. So they like um, go and draw all over the face with where they're going to precisely do like injections along like smile lines and things like that. They're all done um, like with Sharpies. So, well, because she was, he was holding up a mirror to her. She was looking in the mirror and like admiring the handiwork. 
before saying, what else can you do? Mm -hmm. So I think she had them done. No, I think she was asking, like, what else could be done in addition to this? The markings was to show, like, where they would be done. Um, But she was admiring the handiwork. Of the markings of where things were going to happen. You don't draw on a Sharpie. You don't draw Sharpies on a face after you've done injections. Um, For one, you've just, there's, like, probably puncture sites all over the face. Because this show is so tied to reality. I am 100% certain that that she did not go through with any procedures. I really got the idea that it was coded as she'd had the successful procedure and was happy about it and wanted to know what else. You know what I'm going to do? Because I'm going to have to put up a poll now to see what people think. I'm, I'm tempted to just go poll the episode right now. That's, but you don't watch any plastic surgery shows, so you have no basis of reference. They do all of the marking on the face with Sharpies before they start the process. But and I were... don't need to watch a, a plastic surgery show to watch somebody look in a mirror and say, that looks great. Why would she say it looks great when she has Sharpie on her face? He did the Sharpie on her face after she said, oh, what else can you do? And he was like, oh, we could do this and that. And he drew on her face and then he drew on her body. I don't think she got the injections. Fine, put the poll up. I'm gonna. I don't think there's any reason a doctor would draw on a face that they had just done injections on. I don't think there's a reason that Carrie would normally go insane and start digging through boxes. Oh, I think so. Carrie's, like, written as, like, a chaotic, very insecure person. We we just established that these people don't have enough character, like, inherent to them that they can remain stable from week to week. The show's not concerned about, let's portray things in a realistic manner. Well, I think it is a question about whether or not she actually did the thing. And, you know, I don't think we're going to be able to come to a consensus ourselves. So I think we should ask the internet. Okay, Taylor, what do you think? I'm gonna. Um, he's gonna have to. See. He's going to have to watch the episode. I wonder if he is watching just to like keep up with us. Oh God, I hope not. I don't think he's got time for that. They're twenty-minute episodes. Ugh, so much time. We do it, and then we talk about it. I know, and I don't know why. And every week we question it. You question it. I do. <clears throat> I don't question it. I know what I wanted out of this. What did you want? I wanted to hear you take down this show and you're taking it down. But I'm too broken inside to take anything down anymore. So Um, now we're just bickering. No, I think you're doing an effective job with this show. I think we've had some very good conversations about, you know, issues that we hold very important over the past few weeks that if nothing else, we've had this venue to speak them. And at least a couple people are listening. Yeah, like Taylor and Emily and Kate and uh, most, some other people. Most of these episodes are getting between 30 and 50 listens. Well, that means that between 30 and people, 50 people are turning them on and going, oh, like these people's voices and then turning it off. Well, you don't know. They could be listening to the whole thing. They could be. You don't need to be so pessimistic about it. I I don't know. I I mean, we're not talking about the thing but it's really knocked the wind out of my sails 
I know. Do we want to um, pause so that you can do some pet stuff and then we'll return and we'll talk about uh, the Adventure Time episodes? Yes, I think that's a good idea. Bonnie is on like nine different medications right now. So I am pausing to give her her second medication dose. And I am going to try to find a little interlude to put in here in the recording between things because I... Um, find it very funny when podcasts say we'll be right back and then they say we're back again and like they didn't even have like a transition (laughs) (laughs) it's like uh well it didn't seem like you went anywhere because it's been literally a second so I'll see what I can do okay maybe pull some uh some audio from the adventure time episodes I'm thinking about it okay so we'll be back in um probably 30 to 45 seconds with more sex time but in real life it'll probably be a little bit longer because of medication time all right we'll talk to you after the break bye save me finn and jake save me finn and jake we are save me finn and jake why does she keep saying that i think she's traumatized dude to the terror dome i'm gonna issue an apology and a retraction because i went and found a television recap and everyone agrees with you that she had gotten the injections so we don't need to do the poll no i'm sorry i was wrong it's okay let's talk about adventure time please okay the first episode we are discussing is season two, episode three, Loyalty to the King, in which the Ice King, um, had, <laughs> via Finn and Jake rescuing a princess he has trapped, uh, goes on a um, breakup-induced makeover bent. Mm-hmm. And he gets a, bra- a breakup uh, haircut and starts breakup working out. And then no one can recognize him, so when he introduces himself as an ice king people think he's saying a nice king and uh he has no power and he starts to trap all these ladies in a like playground (laughs) yeah (laughs) um like a jungle gym dome because even though he is a nice king and women are coming to him of their own volition he still needs to keep them uh captive um because he cannot change his true nature and then um his beard starts to sprout back and then Finn and Jake figure out his real identity. Yeah. So I, I did I say Finn and this. Jack. I said Finn and Jack, didn't I? You only have two characters to remember for right now. Why is this so hard for me? But you I don't keep know. calling Miranda Cynthia Nixon. So That's, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, what were you going to say? Uh, I, I, I mean, our, it's our thing is to read into everything. Uh, so this seems like really kind of a, a, a parable of the nice guy mm. who is is so nice that he is entitled to the attention of of many women. I, I guess, except I think the, the nice guy narrative that's playing out in like our society is that the man has to go to great lengths to assert that he's a nice guy and um, women aren't giving him attention because they want um, guys that treat them like shit. That's the mythos for like incels and shit like that. Um, and this time he 
he only accidentally asserts himself as a nice king. It's a miscommunication, misunderstanding. And women are, princesses are um, throwing themselves at him, essentially. And he's uh, taking advantage of that situation and becoming like a, well, I mean, staying a real asshole in the process. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think this is a little more like a, a leopard can't change its spots, sort of, to me, than it is like a critique on like the nice guy narrative. That's at least where I went when I was watching it. What, what, how I uh, found an anchor for it. Yeah, I guess so. I guess I just read the nice guy thing and because he's, it it starts out as an accident, but then he is asserting that he is a a nice guy. The nice guys get, get princesses. Mm Mm-hmm. Except he's, um, incapable of actually being nice yes um which is is uh, consistent with the, the quote-unquote nice guys that are all around right now and that are really terrible mm-hmm. um so as far as like the actual plot goes there's uh, i think a little more straightforward um explanation i think that's pretty much it what we've already said um I thought this episode was, um, I don't know what I thought. I actually like enjoyed it, but I can't really pinpoint why. Yeah. It was just kind of a, kind of a funny episode. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you, we finally get to meet a princess princess, which, which is one? the many conjoined princesses who are on their way to meet the nice king. Is that sh- did we not already meet that princess? Uh, I th- we did very briefly. There was like an image of her. This is the first time that she spoke. And this is only significant because uh, Taylor asked which princess is most like the Sex and the City people. Oh. And they said princess, princess. Because it's like, several conjoined, like, monstrous looking princess entity. Got it. And they all have the same flesh tone. Mm-hmm. Just like sex in the city. <laughs> um, who is the princess that they're rescuing at the beginning? I'm not sure. A lot of these princesses don't come back. Some come back in recurring roles and some come back and like star in one episode and that's it. Um, why is it that the king is like this? Why is it that he isn't satisfied he doesn't just seem to want to like find a nice lady he seems compelled to like have her captive and that is so weird yeah that even when they're coming to him voluntarily um he still has to keep up with his practice of imprisoning them the story of the wretched ice king is told more and more throughout the series. So I don't know why he, he needs to keep them captive. Uh, but you get a hint as to why he's he's focused on princesses and like why why he is the way he is. And it's pretty gutting. In, in a sense, does he become a, a sympathetic character? 
Yeah. Despite he clearly does some things that are very upsetting. Yeah, I think that you'll you'll feel bad for like that this entity has he wasn't always like this that's all I'll say the weirdest part of this episode is when he is standing on top of a princess who's on all fours hot dog princess she walks on all fours still weird yeah he's standing on her and then he's got a princess on either side walking next to him and he just has them walking in a circle Mm -hmm. that was like fucked up (laughs) (laughs) um the ice king is fucked up Mm -hmm. um i don't lsp was in this episode oh yeah always a treat i don't like her as much as you do yeah she's uh starts off pretty irritating just like me and she has a really strong personality that she is unapologetic about. Well, that's not like me. I'm very apologetic about my strong personality. Not really. Uh, I can be. Well, she's not. I don't. I think you see yourself as a much quieter and meeker person than you are. Hmm. Yeah, probably. Like, you can you know be self-deprecating but we all know what you think about you and eventually you will agree that you are lsp i vacillate so much between like i'm the best and i'm the worst that it is sometimes very tiring to be me that is the kind of thing lsp would say is it does she exhaust herself? Sometimes she she is exhausted. But she doesn't seem to blame herself. Like in this episode, um, she decides that she wants to become smooth for the nice king and wants Finn to punch out all of her lumps. Um, Finn cannot bring himself to punch a princess, even under orders from the nice king. So she uh, punches herself smooth. And then the king decides, oh, I don't like it anyway, so never mind. And then she blames Finn when he was not involved at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was not um, self-aware, I guess. I don't know. I'm not saying it's like a one-to-one thing. But you will agree with me someday that you are the lumpy space princess okay you say so I know you're talking like that as to be funny but you do talk like that sometimes I feel (laughs) feel really great right now (laughs) this last minute has made me very tired (laughs) um what else do we want to say about this episode uh, I don't know. It's was was it fun to watch all the princesses beat up the the ice king? Well, yeah, of course. Um, the way that his facial hair was growing back was very strange, grotesque. 
was like popping out in clumps. Like there was this doll that we had. Uh, I didn't have it growing up, but it was like around when we were growing up where um, you could cut her hair. And then if you raised her arm, it would, um, you know what I'm talking about? I think so. Like the hair would start to spill out the back of her head or something. No, 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 no. When you raised her arm, the hair would like grow back because it would like trigger a mechanism to like unspool the hair that was like coiled inside the actual doll that you couldn't see. So you could cut her hair and then um, grow it back. Probably not indefinitely. I mean, there had, they couldn't be infinite hair in there, but you know, at least for a little bit. Maybe um, it was. Maybe it was made out of spider's webs. They oh seem like they can produce a lot forever. No, I'm pretty sure the spiders do not produce lawn plastic. Doll um, hair? Doll hair. But do you know how um, doll hair is, like, produced on a doll's head? That it's um, done in, like, these rows and sections that are, like, dots. So it appears like hair when you look far away. But if you look at their scalp, it's, like... Um, it's like magnified stubble, essentially. Uh huh. And that's kind of what the Ice King's um hair sprouting out was like. Was like dolls have all of their hair in like one clump at a time. Um, so it was gross. Yeah, <laughs> it was <laughs> sudden, very sudden. There was so much hair after he shaved himself. He looked so weird. Is he really that skinny under all that hair? Uh, he actually, like, canonically, he has an eating disorder. Oh my god, this is a children's show? Have we talked about this before? Do children it's... not have to deal with eating disorders? I, I, but they don't, I think that it is not something that should be brought up in a children's television program. It's not brought up, it's just canonically the creators have said that, like, yeah, he's got something of an eating disorder because sometimes uh like his robe will fall off or come over his head and he's like oddly thin and sometimes he's plumped up oh so they don't actually because his body is just fluctuating well i don't even know if that's any better for a child to see like a, a body fluctuating that drastically without an explanation well, the explanation is that he's dealing with an eating disorder. Right, but if they don't actually explain that in the show, um, they might think, oh, he's sick or something, and they don't know what it is. And that's a really weird form to bring. I don't know. I don't think, like, with all the death and abandonment that the show deals with, anyone's that concerned with really examining stills of the Ice King's different bodies throughout the entire series. I think this show purports to be a children's show, but I don't know if I were a parent how comfortable I would be with a child watching it, depending on how old they were, of course, but I don't know. I don't think that the show deals with anything that kids don't already have to face. Right, but is this the right way for a child to be addressing those issues, or should that be done, I mean... Let's assume that their parents do, you know, have open lines of communication. That's one thing, but a lot of them don't. A lot of people set their kids in front of TVs and don't really critically examine the children's programming that they're watching. They're just, like, not engaged with it. 
Well, what do you find problematic that you wouldn't have a child watch? Well, let's talk about the next episode then. Because I think there is a questionable line in it. Do you know which line I'm talking about? I don't. I don't recall off the top of my head. Okay, so it's the episode, season two, episode four, Blood Under the uh, Skin, um, and which is a, like another quest, essentially, um, kind of like the Necker Comic Con. Um, that's the book, right? That's the episode. Enchiridion? Enchiridion. What am I thinking of? You're thinking of the Necronomicon. Which is like the actual... You said Necrocomicon. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did, didn't I? <laughs> you just took a bunch of words that you know that have something to do with cartoons and books and squished them together. <laughs> uh, I did it. I'm not even going to try to excuse it. I did that. It's on tape forever. So yeah, in Chiridian. Okay, so that's sort of what the, the episode is. There's this, um, there's this uh, need for a suit of armor because Jake, um, Finn. Oh my God, I'm messing up which characters which again. We've been doing this for like four months, and I'm still doing it. I'm, I'm going to. I'm just gonna let you. I I, I can't correct it. You're gonna let me spiral. <laughs> okay, I'll start from the start. Um, Finn gets a splinter. It is painful. He gets a very small piece of quote unquote armor for it from this like strange goose person. Yeah, Choose Goose comes back. He's a recurring character. Um, and then Finn sees some knights battling and he um is like, I've got armor too. And they're like, No, you don't. And he wants all this armor. He can't afford it. Uh it's He's constantly getting humiliated. This episode focuses a lot on embarrassment as a theme. Mm-hmm. Um, the goose gives him a poem, which is how to find a really like, what is it? Set of armor. Yeah. That's how they And then a uh, wink and like a finger gun, I think. Yeah. Um, in the process, they're going through these quests. They come across uh, this like hairy female giant um, and Jake interprets the poem to mean that Finn needs to get her to stop crying and he tells her and I wrote it down this isn't oh yeah yeah I know I remember um make her think it's her idea that's how you get ladies to do what you want so this is I'm glad that you brought this up uh because it hasn't been um I don't think I'm giving you any spoilers by spoiling this for you but it's revealed later down the line that Jake has a- at least one book that he's written under uh, a pseudonym with like bad dating advice. Oh, like the pickup artist? Yeah. Jesus. And at some point Finn gets a hold of it and Jake's like really upset and saying like that book will mess you up. Don't read that stuff. That's bad stuff. <laughs> Even though he wrote it. Yeah. Okay. Well, he's got uh you know, he's well, he has a criminal past mm-hmm. where he would just do stuff, you know, for money. And apparently one of those things was writing a pickup artist book under the name JT Dog Zone. <laughs> okay. Um, so I think we can agree, though, that that line 
is said and it's not like questioned uh-huh. um, and that I think is problematic especially because in season one uh, we saw that um, episode where the like don't um, don't shake your stuff if you're not willing to give it up or whatever uh-huh. or whatever that line was and I feel like this is kind of along those same lines because um, it's maybe it's because I'm an adult and I'm sensitive to these sorts of things, but I see that as like, oh no, 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 that's manipulative, and that is uh, that that hinders consent, and it is a problem. I don't know if a child would, you know, pay much mind to that line, but I worry that like a child would be like, yeah, get people to think it's their idea, and then they'll do what you want them to do. Well, do you think that was a little bit diffused by the way Finn went about that? Oh. By just yelling, this is your idea. Yeah. Um, I guess so. But I guess that line just in and of itself um, was kind of, it stood out and was alarming to me. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying this show is like the, the perfect, like everything it does is, it's so with the, you know, like left-leaning zeitgeist and third-wave feminism. So there are some, some problematic lines and parts, but I think it really makes up for itself. Okay. I just... I think this show is not really for children. I think there's too many things there, I think that it, it appeals to children because it's colorful and a lot of things are really cute and they go on adventures and there's like this hero arc. But um, I think that is the door, like the, the foot in the door towards being on television. But I think this is really written for adults. And I, I don't have children, so I don't know. I think it's. I think it's not dumbed down. No, it's not. But I think that there's so many um, turns of phrase and like these references and um, the complexity of the stories and like the the darkness that we've started to see touched upon that I think children are not going to absorb at, at the same um, level that an adult or even a teenager would. So it, it's, this is, I think, at least... If it's if it's supposed to be for young people, it's the older end of young people. I think this is probably more for like teens. Uh, I don't know what age a child should be to watch this, or what they what they think is appropriate for a child to watch this. You know, not that I'm like super concerned and want to rip TVs away from people who are showing this to five year olds or anything, but I don't think this is for them. I am going to contact my friend Teresa to see if she will be on the podcast because she has a about a five-year-old that they enjoy watching this show together. Okay. I, I guess what I mean is that there are different levels at which a person would absorb things and a child would probably be more drawn to like the very obvious like good and bad and like the bright colors and the and the characters and the funny voices and then packaged within that is stuff that is really more for adults and more nuanced oh sorry the wind just made that door close it wasn't me 
I don't know if you heard that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, so it's ostensibly for children, but I think it's really not. I don't think that's the audience that's meant to appreciate it holistically. Well, that's, that's uh, one opinion that I have heard. From me or from anyone? From me? Yeah. Have I mean, you- I've, I've definitely talked about this show with other friends who enjoy it. Uh, but we are all childless, so I think if we're going to like be prescriptive about what parents should let their kids watch, we should get a parent who lets your kid watch this on here. I'm, I'm not trying to be prescriptive. I'm just saying I don't know if I would be comfortable having a very young child of my own watch it. At least not watching it without having like a conversation about like, oh, that line, Jake is giving bad advice in this line when he says that thing. Like, I think that would warrant a conversation i'm pretty sure there's like a whole genre of children's movies maybe starting with shrek that have a lot of stuff that is just for adults but the movies are for children the like shrek is like winking at adults shrek doesn't have lines like make her think it's her idea that that i think when they stand alone are a little, huh, I don't know, that's bad advice, but it's being said by one of the protagonists, so maybe a kid would hear that and think, yeah, exactly, that's a good idea, I'll try that. I think you're underestimating children, but like I said, neither of us have any, so we'll bring a parent on. I've met children, though. Some of them are ding-dongs. And some adults are ding-dongs. Well, that's definitely true. But we're, we're not asking, like, creators of art to cater to the lowest common denominator. And, no. And I'm like, not... put, like, nerf the hell out of everything everybody does. No, and I'm not saying that, like, that's on the show. But I am saying that, like, if I were a parent, I would probably be concerned about what age a child should start watching a show like this. I'm not going to tell anybody else what to do. I'm just saying what my comfort level would be. And I don't want any children, but I would welcome this show as an opportunity to have something for everybody to watch and talk about. Okay. Yes. I'm not probably going to have children myself. This is all theoretical, so I guess it doesn't matter. Just like this entire podcast. Yeah. Um, I will say that this episode did not draw me in I straight up had to watch it twice and then on the second rewatching, I had to like back up five minutes because I was just not engaged yeah plot wise it it was a weak episode it just didn't have any of the like serial joy of the Enchiridion quest episode you mean the Necrocomicon yeah the Necrocomicon fantastic um yeah it was I guess fine I don't know why it didn't I don't know why it didn't really engage me as much as the first episode did um considering this one had more to it than the first episode in terms of like um story and more characters and more locations and quests and things like that and objectives I just wasn't feeling it 
Well, I think it's like Finn's never really been. You've seen him done do like do a bunch of adventuring, and he's never really been invested in. Oh, I need armor. Like I need accoutrement to go mm-hmm. fight the bad guys. And it, it was the absurdity that was in it, besides that frog making his new home inside that cyclops's head felt pretty contrived to me i guess if there is a good takeaway from this it's the fact that like all of these things he was doing were motivated by like embarrassment and then he had to endure more embarrassment in order to get his armor and at the end of it he just um kind of lets go of that feeling of embarrassment Um, yeah and the the antagonist of the episode gets his his comeuppance because yes. he he can't get up because he's wearing so much armor and the one part of his body that's not covered gets a splinter mm-hmm. yeah he is a he basically rides around on a horse and taunts Finn for not having armor the drop ball ghost was kind of funny yeah the drop ball thing was very weird it was and, very weird, and that does seem like something that would make a little kid laugh quite a bit. I did like that um, the challenge was that Finn also had to do the drop ball, and the ghost was, like, carrying the ball over to him, and Finn is like, just drop it on the ground. Yeah. Like, clearly not <laughs> wanting to touch this ball that has been gripped by this ghost thing's butt for a while. <laughs> um, so that was kind of, the, I think the last few minutes of the episode were probably the strongest. Mm-hmm. With getting over the um, embarrassment and kind of like recovering from that and realizing that um, somebody who's critiquing you um, is not as intimidating as you probably initially thought. So. Any any other thoughts on this one? No. Um, what are the next ones? Do you know? Oh, I didn't look those up. I guess everyone's going to have to wait till next week to find out. Yeah, or look on Wikipedia. Yeah, I guess whatever. Who is the time? Um, let's quickly do shout-outs. All right. Should we just, just read the list of names? Taylor, Taylor Emily, Emily, Kate, Kate Lisa, uh, Will, Kirsten, Kristen, Kristen, and I, Will. I guess Sam is listening. I don't actually know who else is really listening um, other than people who have demonstrated that they have been listening to every episode by like giving feedback on every episode. So as far as I know, that means Taylor. (laughs) uh, (laughs) um, Have you talked to Emily about this? Yeah, she's kind of fallen behind. She's, um, she's also having some pet stuff happening right now with her little dog. Mm. Um, So that's been, been a stressor. She has, uh, not been able to keep up with uh, with this thing that is so important to keep up with. Mm-hmm. Um, well, our thoughts going out to Emily then. And, yeah. And all pets of people who need need their need good thoughts. Yes. Shout out to pets. Oh yeah, pets are the best. Yeah. Um, and then anything in pop culture. Or media that you are enjoying? I was in a movie. Oh, and I and I got to see it. Yeah. Can I post that on Twitter? Yeah, isn't it so silly? It is very silly, but you're very much just playing yourself in it. I know. 
like a hundred percent. That's probably all your actual clothing too, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's actually the film. So Jordan was in Ariana's music video uh, without me due to scheduling issues. And I was in this without him due to scheduling issues. So we both, like, in the same week saw ourselves in one of Ariana's movies. And uh, now we're both on Whole30. <laughs> um, for those of you who have uh, engaged with our Twitter or Facebook, um clips from Jordan's music video debut, screenshots anyway have been posted and he is trying very hard to look angry in all of them and pretty much do it. He's failing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'll post post the the video itself. It's a YouTube link and I'll post that on all the things. Yes, it's called Nothing to Fear. It was written, directed, and produced by Ariana Montagna. And it stars uh, some people who are her neighbors or family members and me. And I also helped with the sound. I think that it was, it looked, um, it looked very well filmed. Yeah. And it was pretty fun. Yes. I can see how that would be fun. And people, when they see it, I think they will feel the same way. Yeah. I, uh, I hope she keeps writing similar roles for me because I <laughs> don't know how to act i want to be in as many as of these things as i can before she she's big enough to get real actors she's the next gus van sent maybe um you'll develop the skill through all this acting and become like very very adept at uh, assuming other personalities maybe uh brian does a good job he's the guy who is afraid to get moidled and then he gets moidled mm-hmm uh, he's just he's just the Montana's neighbor who is like a fill-in every time somebody backs out of one of these movies. <laughs> That's a good sport. Yeah, and he's died in every single one. <laughs> there have been two. <laughs> but uh, if anyone wants to go, we can post the link if we didn't already. He's, he plays the corpse in the other movie that I was in. I think I need the link to that one. I think you've sent it to me, but I, if you have it handy, you can refund it. it again. Um, as far as pop culture, I'm enjoying. Um, I literally only watch like two television shows. Um, so I'm watching Mad Men for the first time. I'm getting pretty far. Hopefully I'm going to be done soon so that it no longer is a project I have to complete. And I think... Um, the Handmaid's Tale just finished its second season. I would be, I'm pretty sure there's no new episodes after last week's because last week was a very big episode. Um, and I know it's very hard. A lot of women I've talked to and I've asked, hey, have you watched The Handmaid's Tale yet? They're like, I just can't right now. I, I can't while that man is president. Yeah, that's, uh, that's me. A few other people I've talked to have had the same sentiment. They're just like, it's too triggering so yeah that's the world we live in um i uh don't know why i am not triggered in that sense but i've always had this very strong fondness for dystopian media books and movies and things like that in the city is it dystopian kind of it's not quite a brave new world but 
there is probably an allegory to Soma in that somewhere. Yeah. Sure. There's a lot of self, like, self-induced numbing that happens in that show with, like, shopping and alcohol. So, um, but I, I've always liked, like, 1984 is my favorite book and things like that. So, despite how terrible everything is right now, The Handmaid's Tale is just something that I still want to engage with. Because um, I think dystopic, dystopic things are, they serve as a warning. And we need, we need warnings now. We need warnings to stop going down this path as quickly as possible. There are warnings for some. There are handbooks for others. Oh, this is a, this is a cool how-to guide. I don't know if that is... <sighs> I don't think that they're portraying the evil side of this so attractively that people would want to pursue it. I mean, I don't know. Everything is just so tiring. Everything is just so much. Yeah. And so I guess one of the possible SCOTUS nominees that I've been writing to my reps every day about, we cannot need to abide by the McConnell rule, wait till after the next major election Mm -hmm. to appoint anybody to SCOTUS. Um, Somebody was just telling me that she uh, has been linked to a dogmatic church-based group where the the women selves of this group refer to themselves as handmaids. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. So, warning to some how-to play manual for others. I do feel like with Susan Collins being an objector to anyone who would overturn Roe v. Wade and the fact that he needs literally every Republican to confirm his nominee, that we are not going to get anybody who's at least vocally and openly against Roe. No, she'll fold. You think so? She was, I heard an interview with her and she says that she is pro-choice. I think she'll fold. I don't know. She, she, uh, She's she done was, it before. But she's also, she also voted to help keep health care against the party line. I don't so think, she I wouldn't count on her. I, I'm not going to count on her 100%, but I do feel encouraged by what she has said so far. Hopeful by what she has said so far. I don't know, both my senators, I believe, are not going to confirm an anti row nominee. It's other Mine states. Mine aren't. It's other states that I'm worried about. Um, so every, everything's it, terrible. I am doing a thing where I we can post the link, uh, but I am pledging to donate weekly or post about two senators who have been identified as being in vulnerable seats, uh, Heidi Heitkamp and Claire McCaskill. So that's that's something that I am doing in advance of the midterms that I think everybody should take a look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, additionally, I um, heard on Twitter, I haven't been able to verify it. I just have seen it come across that if you donate to Planned Parenthood, which I do, um, if you don't specify where you want your funds to go, the funds stay kind of local in terms of like which clinics they support. 
So you have the option of directing that your Planned Parenthood donations go to areas where there is a higher um, uh, attack on women's reproductive rights. So states where there's only a couple of providers or like just like one clinic in the entire state, that might be um, if you can adjust where your donation goes, that if, if that is something that is possible, again, I haven't had a chance to confirm it, that might be something to consider doing as well. Yeah, that's definitely something to look into. I'm also a regular donor. Yep. I'm a donor to Planned Parenthood just as a whole and the Planned Parenthood Action Fund. So um, Planned Parenthood is the best thing for women, um, kind of like institutionally or on this large of a scale. And uh, it, it cannot cannot be taken away from women. I do Planned Parenthood and the ACLU. Yep, ACLU as well. Um, where else do I donate money? Every time that um, gun-toting uh, Kent State grad tweets, I am counting up how many times she tweets original tweets, not counting retweets because I'm not rich. But every time she tweets, I'm donating a dollar to Mom's Demand. Um, Mom's Demand, whatever the rest of the title is. Everyone knows what Mom's Demand is. Sensible and gun. since you're keeping track of something, I'm paying my donations to Hype Camp and McCaskill. Do that as well. I uh, haven't done this week's roundup of how many times she's tweeted, but I um, replied to somebody who was posting a complaint about her, and I meant, and I showed like I've done it, and I like posted my receipt with like personal information blacked out, and that tweet gained some like traction. It got retweeted several hundred times, so I'm hoping that if even like ten percent of the people who retweeted it are actually like doing it, that means several hundred dollars a week at least that are going that's going to mom's demand as a result of that precious little girl just spouting off her horrible little opinions mm-hmm. so hopefully maybe she'll shut up <sighs> and we'll just have to give money of our own accord mm-hmm. we're doing all right i think that more than wraps it up yeah, on that happy note that everything is terrible politically, uh, I guess this is it. Till next time, you can find us on Twitter at Sex Time Pod. See you on Twitter, Taylor. And see you next week.